0: Welcome to Grandma Magic, a podcast from the Grandmother Collective. We are a nonprofit organization that supports and advocates for a world where a grandmother's power is seen, cultivated, and activated for positive change. The Grandma Magic podcast is an opportunity to learn more about the unique positions that grandmothers, aunties, and other older women around the world can play in advancing positive social development by talking to and learning from grandmother changemakers. We hope this series inspires you, brings you joy, and helps you recognize the enduring magic and wisdom that comes from grandmothers everywhere. My name is Lindsay Farrell, and I am your host. Today, I am joined by Linda Rosier, who co-founded the World Council 25 years ago. As we will learn from her, World Council gatherings are attended by people of all ages, leanings, and backgrounds to help people engage in respectful dialogue on issues that matter to us all, unite around shared values, and encourage us to act together to achieve our common hopes for our world. Linda also has a background in advertising, running a business that was a social enterprise before we called them that, and is actively involved in local activism today, especially around climate action. Thank you for joining us, Linda.
1: My pleasure. Thank you, Lindsay. This is great.
0: You know, one of the major things that we start out with when talking to women from around the world is that we really want to understand their own foundations when it comes to connections and relationships with older women. So I wonder if you have a grandmother figure in your life that you want to share
1: a story about. Sure, Lindsay, absolutely. And I have two grandmother figures, and one is my grandmother, and one is my mother. My mother was married at an older age. So she could have been my grandmother as well, depending on where you live. My grandmother, her influence, this is my mom's mom, her influence, she had a major stroke and was bedridden for the last 10 years of her life, couldn't speak and lived with us. And it was interesting, what we didn't know what we were learning as we, as little kids, learned to take trays to elderly people first. We learned to find out what they needed first. And it wasn't like we were taught that, but we learned that because my grandmother being there. And my mom, who had been a nurse and had joined the Navy when she was just in the prime of her career, she was one of the first airline stewardesses as well. She was quite an adventurer, and this is where I got most of my influence from. As I say, she was not only mother, but like an age of a grandmother. But both my mom and dad, at the prime of their careers, which is at the beginning of World War II, said to themselves, there's something bigger and more important than me. I'm going to take myself out of my job and I'm going to join up to help people and help in a situation that needs some help. And these were people that they didn't know anybody they were over there fighting and risking their lives for. They didn't even know these people, but they knew that there was something wrong that needed their help. And that has always been an influence to me, that you can't sit back. You can't sit back. If there's a need, you have to go help fill it, whatever the need may be. So I'm influenced by them every day when I see something happening that isn't right. So it gives me my urge to help in any way I can. So I will apply any of my skills in any particular situation, whether it's writing skills or art or just kind of convince people or try and make people feel better about themselves. Whatever it is, they taught me that if there's someone in need, you just help them, whether it's your mother who needs a place to stay For the rest of her life your grandfather who needs to stay beside her or whether there's a war going on that you need to step up and volunteer for so i just think of them and i think of their cohorts who they were in their early 30s just the prime of their careers and away they went they said this is more important than me so away i go so that's been huge huge in my understanding about how we need to be in life (laughs) linda
0: can you tell me a little bit about your journey to hear. Okay, so I know, like, that's a funny question to ask, especially we're talking about what might be a long life experience. So let's focus in on the World Council, the World Council, you've been organizing them for 25 years. Can you tell us what is it? And what are the origins of how it came to be?
1: So about probably 30 years ago, one of my partners said, you know, wouldn't it be interesting if there was a benevolent World Council that could help us make decisions on matters that matter to us. And that was the first seed that was planted. And then I was out five years later with my wonderful aunt, who is a great, wonderful person. And she had been invited every year, she with her husband, to go to an island in Scotland to spend a week with friends and different friends. And you couldn't just go as a guest. You needed to go and contribute to the week. So if you played the piano, you needed to have an evening concert. You know, if you sang, you needed to sing. And my aunt, who had a great sense of humor, she had one little poem that she would recite every year, which was, you're looking at me for? I got nothing to say. Please excuse yourself and turn the other way. (laughs) So she would do this every year. Anyway, we kind of laughed about this, but we said, wow, these influential, resourceful people were invited for a week. What would it be like if you were invited, for example, to spend a week in the shoes of Mahatma Gandhi? And represent what his passion is for a whole week, nonviolent. If you were invited to represent Margaret Mead and your whole week was talking about the passions of diversity and inclusion, how would you come back changed after a week in someone else's shoes? So we thought, hmm, there's a seed there. And it's probably a seed following along the first seed that was planted. So we started trying on our boardroom. We said, okay, let's just have an evening discussion here. And we'll have Socrates, who was a facilitator and learned by asking questions. And he would ask questions of people of all walks of life to find out universal values that we share. So Socrates became the facilitator. And I was Leonardo da Vinci. And the person across from me was Abraham Lincoln. And anyway, so we did this. We just tried it very informally. And we were blown away by what came out of us. We were blown away by what we knew, what we just hadn't said for so many years, or even thought about it for so many years. We were blown away. So we said, let's go for this. This is worthwhile. So we organized it. And in the World Council, just to explain that aspect of it, Socrates leads us through what are the major challenges our world is facing today. So we all put that on the table. And then we jumped to 10 years away in the future and said, okay, what are the major things in our best world? What are our headlines saying in our best world? What are we learning in school in our best world? What are the qualities of our leaders that we would elect in our best world? So we spend time envisioning our best world. And then we pop back to today to say, okay, how are we gonna get there? What do we have to agree upon in a new world agreement that we'd all share tonight and draft tonight to get to that world How do we have to be and what do we have to do? So that's in essence what the World Council is about and where it takes us. So it was so good that we just were blown away by the effects of it. Then we started doing it with children. We've done it with private school kids. We've done it with kids at risk and underprivileged kids for three years every Monday night at a youth shelter called Turning Point in Toronto. And the esteem When these young guys would come in and someone would pick up a little executive summary of Margaret Mead's life and say, I'll represent Margaret Mead, (laughs) you wouldn't expect these guys to be so open to it. And the esteem, they wouldn't want to leave. They wouldn't want to leave. They wanted the conversation to keep going. And they just couldn't believe that they were part of drafting a New World Agreement. And we were definitely, we who were facilitating, were definitely their grandmother age, (laughs) So it works so beautifully intergenerationally, we've found. With kids, I think the youngest kids we've done, I believe, are probably eight years old kind of thing. And all walks of life, all levels of society, all cultures, all religions, it just works so beautifully. So we've done it for 25 years. We've actually done week-long ones, just to go back to our sort of beginning thoughts. The roots, the origin, yeah. Yes, yeah. So we did. We've taken executives We charged them, (laughs) but we would charge anybody who could pay, but we would take them for a week to Spain or to Ireland or off to either the West Coast of Canada or the East Coast of Canada. And again, we even had some feedback from one of the business people and he said, you know, I'm going to quit my job. He said, this really helped me understand who I am. And I think, Lindsay, one of the most hopeful things and hope, hope, hope is that we do all share the same values in terms of what we want for the world. I mentioned to you before, but if you take over the 25 years, New World Agreements, and you don't know what kind of a group was sitting there doing these New World Agreements, you can't pick it out. You might have one that's from an executive group, one that's from Street Kids, and you can't tell the difference. We all have those same laws written on our hearts. We want the best for children. We want a world that everybody can breathe in. We want everybody to feel equal. We want education for everyone. And this comes out from a street kid as well as a banker. That's what we want. So it's proven that. So yes, for 25 years, we've been doing this in person. And then we did it online. That was a blessing of COVID because we would never have gone online because we were so intent on the importance of having one-to-ones that you need to do this over your dinner table. We used to do them Sundays or Saturdays you know, when we'd sit around with families. So we went online and it works. It works online as well. Groups are always small. Online, we don't take any more than six people at one table. And in person, the max is seven. We found that there's a tipping point where more than seven people as guests, somebody and even a couple of people start clamming up because there's too many people in the room for them to be comfortable with.
0: There aren't that many tables that have more than eight seats either. So no, that's, which is handy. <laughs> someone's not getting a seat at the table in that kind of instance. Also, it seems like. So Linda, I have so many questions, but I think one that I've been really pondering over is there's a lot of ways that people initiate dialogue to talk about complex and hard things. And that World Council somehow seems to cross over quite a bit of that like the fear that people get too political or the fear that they get triggered or something. What do you think it is about World Council? I mean, you could tell me maybe it's about putting on a different persona that enables people to speak more or to not descend into that divisive conversation.
1: Lindsay, you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly what it is. I'm sure that's what the magic of it is because you come with a mask of somebody who has contributed to humanity. It's always historical figures, so it's been proven over time that they did serve humanity with their lifetime. And I think that mask allows you to speak just like, you know, holding puppets and carrying on a conversation with puppets. You can say all the things you never wanted to say to anybody face to face, but you can say it when you're using puppets. And this wonderful mask of greatness of humanity, which we all carry, allows us to bring that out. And then they find out it actually is them that's talking, but the mask initially makes them think, this isn't me talking, this is Rachel Carson, or this is Margaret Mead, or this is Abraham Lincoln talking. But no, it's me. Of course it's me. But you're coming from a passion that, of course, is one of yours. And that's the other thing. We have so many people saying afterward, it wasn't hard to play and represent Abraham because I believe in everything he stood for. And same with Rachel Carson. I never knew about Rachel Carson, but it wasn't hard to represent her because I believe what she believed. These are great humanitarians who represent different aspects of what we all have inside of us. All the things, there's nothing to disagree with. And you don't, you're raised to that higher self that wants the best for the world and for everyone in it.
0: So what's the criteria for picking a humanitarian hero?
1: We always pick historical just because they have proven, time has proven that they served humanity. There's some people that, a contemporary person, but some people think Trump is a hero. But no, he isn't. He hasn't served humanity. He's disserved humanity. There's some wonderful heroes that we know will be heroes living today that are serving humanity, and it's tough not to include them, but it's just safer because once you sort of open that door, then somebody else wants to then represent somebody who perhaps isn't a hero. It might be a hero to a certain group. And then you might get the divisiveness, which taking the historical figure, you're safely in understanding that there isn't any division here. These people did serve with their passions, all Mm -hmm. of humanity.
0: So Linda, you were in advertising. That's your professional background. Can you draw a line from the work that you did in advertising to the World Council? Are there insights and things from your professional life that reflect on how you are approaching trying to make change in the world today?
1: I think probably from a creative output to make the World Council, even the creativity of thinking about how this can look. I think that came out of sort of the creativity that was generated on a daily basis in our agency. We were three partners and we all had double roles. We were all artists. We were all copywriters. So it was like having six people working on a creative mission. So I think that that creativity with the same sort of way we would approach coming up with a solution for a client who had an issue and who wanted to impart information, we would use that skill to hone and make the World Council what it became and some of the wonderful written pieces that we came up with to invite people to it. We came up with a whole package and how we come up with what we say about the different persona that people are invited to be. So I think it really helped in the presentation of it. It works well without any of the trappings around a kitchen table. But when we were going to executives And companies where we were charging them five thousand dollars for the evening, we would give them the works. (laughs) (laughs) And that money would help us provide some of the goodies that we provide to the street kids and all of our not-for-profit work. And we had several not for profit gigs going on that we created in the company. So any of the World Council money (laughs) that we got from doing executives and in the formal sense, we would put toward our other not-for-profits
0: so you all had a for-profit advertising company that before they were called social enterprises was basically a social enterprise as well it sounds like
1: yes but a lovely article that i love rereading every now and then about that we were sort of way ahead of our time in terms of Use what you have to work for you as a human being in whatever way you can.
0: Yeah, I think that you said that you were other-centered as opposed to self-centered. Yes. That sounds to me would have been a very novel
1: thing to have introduced that. Probably, Lindsay, just because I think we stayed small. So it was the three of us and a couple of employees, really. So we were able to do that. I think my two partners had both worked for major advertising agencies, one in Japan and one here in Toronto. But again, as I say, both other directors, my partner, Joe, for example, there was a shift with the agency he was working with, one of the large ones in Toronto, and they were bought out. And the guy came in and said, I'm firing all of the creative department except for you, Joe. And Joe said, I'm not staying. I'm quitting. You can't do that to people. So then they ended up hiring back the whole department because Joe stood up to them and said, that's not the right thing to do. You can't do that. So they say, they're very much both other directed and being a small agency and deciding to stay small, even though we opened up an office in New York, to which I commuted before I knew it was a bad thing to do with the environment. But I commuted to New York every week for a period of five years. And we did very well in New York. But then my mom and dad became ill. And so I just decided we'll keep the office open in theory, but not in mm, practice. Mm. <clears throat>
0: So, Linda, you worked in advertising, the World Council emerged, uh, but I know from previous conversations with you that you are also heavily involved in local community initiatives, that you really care deeply about environmental concerns. Can you speak more to, you know, beyond World Council, what are some of the the contributions that you try to
1: make? Environment is probably top, top, top of mind right now. My generation has enjoyed all the fruits given to us by our parents' generation, giving us a safe world. And here we are, and we were asleep at the wheel when it came to care of the environment. And I just think it's up to my generation, who have caused, not knowingly, but we've caused these problems because we were asleep at the wheel, that we have resources, we have time, we need to give back. Our children and grandchildren are begging us to do that. And we have an obligation to do that. So I get involved in local things. We do a lot with 350.org, which is one of the, both in Canada and the US, Bill McKibben's I've traveled down to Washington. I've been arrested in Washington, speaking against the Trans Mountain Pipeline. I'm going this evening. You know, Canada's on fire. And the smoke is affecting you, probably where you are. Very much it's affecting us.
0: Yeah, we were blanketed in it.
1: Yes, well, we're blanketed again. The wind blew the other way. But Norma was telling me that a friend of hers in England has smoke around them, too, from our fires. And to me, you know, it's not just Canada that's burning. Creation is burning. I want to cry when I think that in that smoke, the smoke of dying baby birds and baby deer, this is spring. You know, all these animals that are just as well as the forests. It's horrid. Anyway, so the demonstration I'm going to tonight is about that. The Canada is on fire and it's a 350. And it's just in a town 30 minutes from me in Guelph. But I write about it. Letters to editors, you know, the odd article that I'll submit to the church magazine saying we got to stand up for creation. So that's I'm just so passionate about that. You know, it's it's like World War (laughs) Three. This is World War Three, and we're all involved. And the war is against climate change, and Canada is a bad culprit, hugely bad culprit. We still give subsidies to fossil fuel companies. Like, how can that be? It's beyond me. Anyway, so dedicated to in any way I can stand up beside and stand up in front to try and get some of that turned around in my lifetime. Right.
0: At the Grandmother Collective, we think there's something very unique about older women. We think they're very powerful. And I wonder if you have a reflection on what it means when I say that. Listeners can know that Linda has been a part of conversations with the Grandmother Collective for several months now and joins our monthly calls. So we've talked a lot about this, but I'd love to hear your perspective on when I say something like grandmothers can change the world,
1: what does that mean to you? absolutely. Grandmothers have a huge role to play. Young people look up to us. I was going to say whether they should or not, but but they do look up to us. And we have just this huge opportunity to help them understand their role and understand that we understand what their issues are. I think that's huge. It's that whole piece of relevance that we're not just sitting knitting and stuff like that Or if we are knitting, we're thinking about the environment. And by the way, (laughs) we want to make it better for you. And that's why I'm knitting this, because this will help raise funds for whatever, to do things with purpose. But it's just so important. We did an eco-film festival for a number of years here prior to COVID. And we would have young people come to see these films that we would put on. And on several occasions, the young people would say, we had no idea that adults cared about this. And we have to let them know, yes, we do care about it. And by the way, our parents, your great-grandparents, fought a war to make the world better. And we are interested, and we want to fight a war to stop climate change. We want to stop the threat to you, just as our parents stopped the threat to humanity. So we do have a huge role to play, and we can play it probably better than a teacher could. We just need to let them know from every angle we can young people that we care and we're willing to do something about it. And we want to listen when you tell us you're scared. We want to be here to listen to it because we're scared too. We're scared for you. You're scared for you. Let's even talk about what we can do together. I'm there. If you ever have a demonstration in your school, call me, I'm coming. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'll be there with you. Yeah. So. I think it's hugely important right now because we're in such turmoil and there's so many things for young kids to be scared about. I mean, as I say, we're scared about it and we've lived this long, but think of kids who haven't, and they just see all of this happening. That must be terribly frightening. And we can help them know that we not only care, but we're with them and we're trying to do something about it.
0: You know, I would say, you know, they canceled Philadelphia public school. I live in Philadelphia. They canceled our public school because of the Canada fires. It was like the last week of school. I think it made national news that Philadelphia and New York City canceled our public schools. And it was that week, you know, there's times when you feel like you can kind of take a breath and not watch the news and not try to pay attention. And I think it's now become physically evident that this is coming. The earth is heating. Our climate patterns are changing. The storms are more violent. So, even amongst my mom groups, we had this moment where it was like, okay, we are raising children in a period where it's very scary. And I will say, you know, Linda, not just with children, you know, people that are mothers or in adulthood, to have a connection with older women, to me, has also been really powerful to know that there's folks that can guide, can stand with and hold my hand I used to laugh with a colleague of mine who was about 15 20 years older than me and she would say like I still need my mom too <laughs> and that's I think elders they hold this really special space because they're what we're all looking for and looking to get
1: support from yeah you're here I agree with you entirely and I talked to my mom, my mom and dad are gone for half my life at this point. And I still talk to them every day. <laughs> what would you be doing? Or what do you think about this? Like, this is crazy. So I still have those people who influence me are still influencing me, the generations above me.
0: Do you feel a sense of responsibility shifted as you age? It sounds to me like you had it from very early age. I will do good in the world. I will contribute. But is there some unique insight into your own
1: kind of aging story? The only thing that I think is unique is that it gets more critical and more important that I get more involved now. I was able in younger years to be creative when there wasn't this danger. But now that the danger is here, and now that I know that I have only so many years, like I'm a very croakable age (laughs) right now, so it gets more important that I get more done sooner. I think the two coming together, my age and the end of the toilet roll. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard no, of No, it but... hasn't.
0: The end of the toilet roll, that's like the the, <laughs> the metaphor for your life? Yeah, the
1: toilet paper wow, roll. Wow, no, you know, I've never. Yeah, <laughs> the, 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 when you first start the toilet paper, you know, it comes off and it rolls slowly because, of course, the roll is big. Yeah. But when you get toward the end, the little thing in the circle goes faster and faster and faster. <laughs> <laughs> As I get toward the end of the role, and because this huge danger and this huge divisiveness, these dangers that we're facing right now have just become more prevalent. This time in my life, the pressure's on because I have limited time to do even more than I thought I could, if you will.
0: Well, I think one thing that we always seem to at least notice is that older women, there might be urgency, but there's boldness. That comes with age, too. So there's this confidence and boldness. I can't really be touched at this
1: point. I'm just going to do what needs done. That's true. You get less frightened to stand up in front of people and get less frightened to bring the... Uh, less
0: frightened to get arrested in
1: Washington, D.C. Oh, well, exactly. And I might have mentioned those before, but I highly recommend getting arrested for something you believe in at least once in your lifetime. It is the most liberating, wonderful experience. Just to say, you know, and that was just the day going down to jail, hearkening back to my mom and my dad. I gave up a weekend to go down and get arrested. They gave up four years of their life, risking their life, you know, and I just think, wow. So, yes, you do get bolder. Getting arrested does embolden you, by the way.
0: (laughs) You know, it's it's interesting. In this work, we want all grandmothers or older women to feel that they are the vital people that we think that they are. And some will hear that call and say, "Ah, I'm still never going to get arrested. That's fine. You can still be a change maker, even if you don't want to go that pathway. But that's really interesting perspective. Okay, so let's get back to World Council because you and I have something to announce. So we decided to co-host a grandmother collective World Council, which we're going to do on July 25th. It'll be virtual. Just because it says the word grandmother collective does not mean you have to be a grandmother. It doesn't even mean you need to be an older woman. In fact, you know, it would be wonderful to have an intergenerational conversation. But the idea, I think, is that we really want to make sure that people understand this is a tool for those conversations that are really hard to understand and recognize what it means to take on one of these personas And go through the process with us and hopefully have a transformative day, that day on July 25th. And also, you know, maybe connect with you and be able to spread the World Council model, recipe everywhere. Is there anything I missed?
1: No, I don't think so, Lindsay. But people who do sign on, we will send just a one-page executive summary, if you will, of the person we'd like you to represent and then you just come and enjoy. And it's not spooky. You'll feel great, guaranteed afterward, and you'll be amazed at the colleagues that you meet. And the more the merrier, because what we do is we break into breakout rooms so that each room that's attending has no more than the six guests online. So if you wanted to bring your friends and several of you sign up, that's fine. We'll manage all of that. And we'd love you to bring your friends or your grandchildren or your daughters or sons or whoever it's wide open and we can handle as many, but you'll be put into a lovely little room with other amazing people and it will be grand and you'll get a a little follow up afterward as well. So yeah.
0: Okay, great. Thanks, Linda. We will have that event posted on our website at grandmothercollective.org register and connect. We just really excited to be able to share this resource with folks in our network. So Linda, thanks for sharing so much about your life and your change maker journey. And I'm just reflecting this change maker persona that we are showcasing in the Grandma Magic Podcast comes in so many forms. It comes in the form of someone who has just created a simple tool to help people connect. It comes in lots of different ways. So hopefully it inspires someone today. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Lindsay. It was wonderful.